Welcome to Tech Explorations Podcast, Episode 5, Part 3. In the previous part of Episode 5, Richard and I discussed his approach to teaching complicated subjects, mentorship and coaching, how Richard got into electronics and lots more. In this third and last part of his interview, we discuss Richard's plans for the future and his experiences back in the day when he was using one of the first business networks at an Apple Market Center. Let's continue right away where we left off in part two. I want to talk a little bit about the future and sure. uh, we'll start wrapping up our uh, sure. discussion. It's about to hit an hour, actually. Time okay, flies. well, <laughs> edited, I'm sorry. So, no, I'm thrilled no, no, to do it's, this. It's, I'm just waking it's, up. It's absorbing. <laughs> it, it is absorbing and that's why well, I looked at the time now. Oh, gee, um, yeah. Yeah, it's my, good. Uh, it's good. my garage <laughs> band just ran out of disk space. So. <laughs> It's okay. Sorry. Uh, recording is safe. Uh, so uh, I know that you're working on a fairly large project now, which is your uh, Internet of Things uh, curriculum introduction right. to IoT for the college. Apart from that, is there, an, is there any other large uh, project that you are interested to work on as a maker, not necessarily to teach something, but something that you would like to learn perhaps um, uh, it could be a technology like hardware, it could be software, it could be something that you want to build from scratch, but something that you think is going to actually s- stretch you and, and it will take a little bit more than a couple of days to do. Have you got something like that in your horizon? Well, uh, not anything that I will probably do until I get this course uh, going next yep. fall, but uh, I, w- I would love to work with the uh, Build Your Own Drone uh high project because that that would be a lot of fun yes and well you have to do that because i i've had two drones and and once they crash you have to rebuild them (laughs) and Uh, you gotta know what you do well (laughs) you gotta find the part you've got to find something that has the parts yeah you build your own from scratch you can always order extra parts yeah so that, uh, that's a really good project because it like I found when I was building the drone, it actually got me out of here. This is my lab. I've got yep. my backdrop here, but it's pretty messy if I remove that. Yes. <laughs> but it got me out of here and into a field. A nice sunny day, light breeze. It was actually I thought, this is really nice. I should do it more often. Charge the batteries, get a few extras. It's it's a really nice hobby for people that both like the technology and miss the outdoors. So I think you can have good fun there. Good learning oh, as well. I, I enjoy playing with just about everything. I'm trying to think what else. I, I, I become distracted very easily and wind up doing several projects. But I've of course, I've, yeah. I've got a C and uh, I, I found a C compiler. I also found uh, on the uh, Raspberry Pi, there's an Adreno IDE that you can download. Yeah. It's not as yes. nice, but it works. <laughs> Yeah. And I can I can do this whole course on a an Adreno and uh, a Raspberry Pi and yep, just put exactly. it into a monitor. And yeah. and the idea is to take the whole course and everything and just fit it into a, a tote bag, which uh, like a portable lab. Yeah, I don't have it in here. It's uh, it may be in my office, but yes, it's, it's just a you know a carry all and about the about as big as a, a lunchbox and that's it and that's everything you need to know to learn everything a, about engineering so i think that's a uh, a, a good project and make it cheap make it inexpensive 
and make it to a point that everybody can afford their own lab for a couple hundred bucks. And I think we are there already. Uh, if you look at like simulators of electronics yep. online, like that you can run in your web browser as well. It's amazing what you can do in a web browser these days. So simulate electronics, including Arduinos and digital electronics. Yes. Uh, the uh, cheap components, uh, mostly from China, uh, Raspberry Pis, open source programming languages, and applications and service of four kinds it's like a golden age for makers and for learners like well it's very much like the apple II days yeah it, it, it's just like apple II because apple II is the very 70s. open and yeah. and then it became important to have a user interface to make it uh more acceptable to users so you didn't have to think about it but in 1981 every kid had to be able to write a program if you're going to do something hmm. Hmm. Yep. Uh, it, it was in basic yep. you, because exactly. <laughs> simply because yeah. there was no software <laughs> yeah yeah you got to run i remember those days like uh, I, uh when i had my apple IIe, the a lot of software was actually distributed in paper in little booklets yes. called manuals and uh, you, you'd copy it yes it was not on a floppy disk or in a cassette tape uh, i spent a lot of time copying code <laughs> and, that's how and then debugging how it basic and debugging it uh, typos yes. and all that. oh yeah and, you know the messages you get back were just syntax error <laughs> so <laughs> so you ask about the future i, I think the uh, future will be found in the past and the and the uh, big difference is the uh, future given the way we get yeah. uh, components it's not as expensive because a heath kit that did very little a transistor might have cost five seven dollars yes you wouldn't burn it a transistor <laughs> Now I can get a yeah. hundred yeah. for the same amount of money and uh, do something with it. So it doesn't take much. And actually, uh, you can sacrifice it uh, easily to see what the smoke is like when yes. it comes out of it. Like I've done it a few back then. I used to do uh, engineering uh, at the university. Um, yes. We'd go to the lab and the instructor would give us one transistor each. And if you happen to burn it, like everybody would look at you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how could you do that? And he had sheepishly go to the instructor and politely ask for another one. Yes. Okay, but this is the last one. <laughs> right. So we don't have to worry about that anymore. Like, yeah. Right. And you, you can fund it yourself. You can make mistakes. and. But I, I think that's important, just making everything work in a kit that somebody can afford that they have complete control over. And, right. And if you break something, it shouldn't be expensive to replace it. Not a big deal. Uh, just don't burn your Raspberry Pi. That's <laughs> a bit more. Right. Well, yeah, they're they're thirty five dollars. I've destroyed but... one. I've destroyed one in my in my whole career as um, an instructor online. I've, I've destroyed one Raspberry Pi, but I've never destroyed an Arduino. I can say that it's a lot uh -huh. more robust, and that's why I think it's a good option for beginners. I, I see so much. This is something that always bothered me. Uh, I've got a good video on electro electrostatic. Uh, discharge uh yeah, damage yeah. and uh nobody cares about putting boards in cases or grounding them there you know, just handle it however yeah. and that's that's kind of a a sin i try to be careful on camera but in my real day-to-day -day operations on my bench <laughs> yep um, i'm just yeah not very careful I'm, I'm more in a rush than careful um but it's, well, okay. it's, it's not so too as hard you realize as long as you realize that you know you're in a rush now and you can potentially damage the equipment um uh, which i yes. try to be conscious about it it's okay 
everything is still working for me and i've got uh, all sorts of things and uh, i just get the little uh, boards and on some of these uh let's see if i've got one here if i can pull this one out i've got all these projects on uh these uh, little boards yeah, let's yeah. get in front of the camera yeah. here but that's yeah. three projects on there and i just need to wire it into uh, my raspberry pi and i've got it work or the adreno and i've got it working but um it's amazing how small this stuff can get and uh, you yeah. just have projects all over the place and <laughs> it just plugs together I, and it works i put them in boxes now because i don't like these mental things i've got like little ikea boxes plastic boxes and i label them this is for the boot camp, this is for Arduinos, this is boards for yep. um, ESPs and things like that. So uh, I don't like, it's, it's hard for me to destroy a project. Yeah. I think a lot of people like, like that. Right. Uh, we, I've got bins of stuff behind me. So I've got, yeah. you know, the, the things I like to play with. So I have extra pies and my, my biggest fear is that they're going to come out with a faster <laughs> Hi, but I don't think it's going to come for a couple of years. Keep that yet. lid on. <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard, um, I think it's uh, let, let's um, yeah, finish our conversation <laughs> here. It's like one hour, so this is perfect. Yes. Um, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? It, it could be like a piece of advice as an educator, or as a maker, uh, or just anything at all you'd like to talk about. Um, Maybe something from your experiences and from your stories. Uh, back with Apple and the Apple IIe and all that? Well, I, I, I have an Apple Australia story. It takes a couple of minutes to tell. Yeah. And uh, when I was with Apple, one of the things that I was able to do, I did the uh, technology uh, planning and implementation for the Apple Market Center at the uh, Dallas, Texas Infomart building. And that was Apple's first public location that people could actually come into and see an apple facility and the, oh, like the an apple store the apple stores followed yeah. uh, a few years after that yeah. the architecture and the uh, design were much the same except the apple stores uh, actually sold things we didn't sell anything we were simply a, a place to provide executive Interact. briefings right. but bringing it online we had the infomart network and one of the things we did there uh with the Macintosh, the perception was Macintoshes don't connect to much of anything. They're toys. And Apple went through that phase as Apple was a different company uh, in 1989 and 1992. Almost uh, became a, not a company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's some rough times there. But um, one of the things I wanted to do at the Infomart was show that the Apple Macintosh or Apples could connect to anything. And so that was my maker project. Uh, mm. I uh, simply uh, treated it as uh, an opportunity to uh, connect anything to anything. And uh, we got our entire uh, Apple area connected, but uh, we needed to connect to places like Novell. And the tendency was, uh, or Xerox or IBM to connect to these other companies. And uh, the tendency was, if you want to show that as a company, you would go out and buy uh, a Novell server or an, mm. Uh, mm. A, a Xerox device. Well, in the Infomart, we didn't have to do that. So we could network things from one suite to another. 
And eventually we put together a building network that made it uh, essentially a, a connectivity marketplace that people yeah. could come in and see how things connected. Well, there came a time when we started connecting uh, Apple to the uh, uh, West Coast because this whole connectivity idea had really taken off. And uh, the idea of, of adding a modem and 9,600 baud, baud modems were created by DC Hayes. And suddenly everything started working really well. And we could dial in and we could extend all of that connectivity that we had in the Infomart out to uh, somebody in the field. So they could make a phone yeah. call, an 800 number, we set it up and they could call in and connect. And California uh, said, well, let's take this national or international so we can put this service online other than just uh, our, our territory. So we were connecting the Apple Market Center to California. And of course, Apple California was connected to the rest of the world. So, of course, as things happen, it was either a late Friday night or a Saturday night where you're, you're working, you know, 2 a.m. because nobody's there to be disturbed. We got everything working and it was time to connect. And uh, if you remember the old Macintosh, you re uh, they had a thing called a chooser. Yes. If you okay, you've heard uh, that, but yeah. basically that, I, that was I a way of Mac Plus. <laughs> right. Well, well, basically that was a way of choosing a network. Yeah. You could choose a network and then choose resources from within that network. And uh, we had six networks in our market center that we could connect. Well, when we connected to California, we suddenly had not only our six networks that were in the DFW oh, area, yes. but we had everything else on the other Apple network. Yeah. I thought, well, this is really neat. And I started seeing prefixes because Apple prefixed everything with the, uh, uh, Country the, uh, the mail identifier, the airport identifier. Yeah. I saw, well, there's SYD and there's TOK. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I asked the guy, I said, what's SYD and what's TOK? I said, well, that's yeah, yeah, Sydney. Yeah said, really? You mean it's in Australia? <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're connected there, too, because we have offices in wow. Sydney. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. So uh, I had my connection here, and when I plugged the connection in, all of these networks just populated in the chooser, and I could see Sydney and Tokyo. And then if I pulled the cable out, it came right back it's to our six piece. networks. <laughs> and I could plug it back in. And the entire world would come on. I said, now Isn't this is really neat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Southern the Hemisphere. world expanded all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden. Oh, I was, I was a god. <laughs> yeah. Southern Hemisphere yeah. online, Southern Hemisphere offline. And then uh, the proof of the pudding was since everybody trusted Apple, uh, everybody would tend to share with their neighbors. So they would just share their entire uh, disk drive with the uh, adjacent oh, so Everybody machines. became a node and then it became a node. <laughs> could access everybody else's um, resources. So uh, then yeah. I thought, well, while they're getting things ready, I just plug it back in and there's Sydney. I started exploring desktops and who, and of course, everybody left it open and I found some files. I didn't do anything malicious. But I found, well, I could take this file and I could put it on my desktop. And I thought, well, that's very powerful. <laughs> no security. <laughs> yeah. No security whatsoever. No security and I can issues. move data 8,500 miles yeah. and I can do it in a matter of seconds. And I thought, nobody would ever know. 
nobody would ever know. And I thought that was so so cool. And hopefully my wish for anybody, that's what I find in the pie and everything else, is that that type of excitement. There's nothing easy about any of this, but once you put it together, uh, you come up with some extraordinary results and you can make things happen and you understand how the digital world goes together. And there's not enough people that know how to do that. And it's important to understand that because just to understand where our digital horizons are going to take us, uh, we, uh, with IP version six and internet of things, and we can uh, attach virtually everything in the world to a network and it's somehow monitored that that just is mind-boggling uh, the internet of things right you just described yes. it <laughs> everything yes. is connected but so. your story is also very interesting because it shows how things have changed uh, what your story reminded me of richard stallman when i was at the university of technology sydney richard stallman uh, who is one of the um how would you call him that name's um, familiar uh, well, he is the founder of uh, Free Software Movement, uh, GNU yes. or GNU. Um, so yep. he's the open source god in a way. Yes. But I remember his story when he was at MIT working on open source uh, software. Um, because of the culture there, the idea was that all computers should have no passwords. So a professor's computer should have no password. A student should be able to go use the professor's computer computer at any time if the professor was not there because it is a resource that should be shared. So, um, and that was the uh, how things were done until Unix introduced passwords <laughs> and started Tight, tight, tightening the networks uh, and the security of the networks because privacy issues came in and commercial issues and all that. And uh, he uh, he was talking about all that and all those changes in that lecture that he gave at UTS maybe about 15, 20 years ago. And um, that's what I was thinking when you yes. we were telling us about your experience with the Apple network. There's no how things have changed now two-step authentication and encryption everywhere and you still it's not enough <laughs> and and it's it, it, it is a whole career to even understand that and in order to understand yeah. it you've got to understand uh why does that led turn on when i write a program and and, and how you have to I do it to securely it. <laughs> yeah, you have well. to do it securely we we have everything <laughs> is uh open right now yes. uh, it's unprotected so uh but uh great thank you that's another uh, yeah. piece to travel uh, on to there. The memories. Well, thank you for the story, uh, Richard. Oh, uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, probably just use the email. Uh, I, I've created an email that I kind of use for this sort of purpose, but it's uh, I put it in the profile, but parkrb we'll, we'll have it listed. at yeah. gmail.com. Uh, uh, no worries. Uh, if... Uh, Tech Explorations opens up, uh, you know, has some sort of a venue there, a posting device, uh, put a comment Definitely. on the blog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we have your, your page here, but uh, I hope you can write some more blog posts for us. My, uh, and, what I plan on uh, doing is taking the, I, I'm, I've, I'm to a point where I can write up what I've been doing with the uh, TMP36, and yeah. I want to create maybe three lessons about guides, how to do yeah, that sure and i don't know how, how you want to present that but uh, uh we'll help you out with that <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah i would appreciate that but awesome. I'll, uh, i'm gonna learn how to use github a little bit better so that oh uh, yeah github is an awesome tool in my new course I actually use 
uh, Git, actually Git, not GitHub, but Git, you know, it's just a user interface essentially on enter, mm. um, yeah, built on top of uh, GitHub. But once you know how to use Git, you can use GitHub. And in the latest course that I'm working on now, I'm using Git from day one, essentially. It's not an afterthought anymore or just oh, another thing. So um, it's, it is powerful for anything to do with software and with text that you want to keep track of. Uh, okay. Use the tool. Well, managing yeah. the projects is important. Uh, organizing thing, comments and all that, that's absolutely essential. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Richard. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for making the time and staying up so late. <laughs> oh, no problem. Uh, I don't have to teach tomorrow so I can sleep late. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. can stay up a little me. longer. And, uh, I think I was <laughs> thank you for inviting me. It, it, it's, uh, it's a real honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. That's all for this episode. And notes for this episode that include links to many of the resources mentioned and information on how to get in touch with Richard are available on our website, techexplorations.com. Each episode comes with its own page on the Tech Explorations website and a gold mine of information in the notes. This page also contains the video version of the interview. This podcast episode was produced by Tech Explorations. Do you have any questions or suggestions? Would you like to nominate a maker to be our guest? And of course, you can nominate yourself. Please email us at podcast at texplore.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, Tech Explorations. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.